So how complicated is life? If you had to write it down as an equation, would it be uh, this complicated? And when you think about it, life is very complex, especially if you have children. If you have children, you have a family, you have a job, and you have to juggle all the scheduling, all of the work, all of the uh, life that it takes just to get through every day. Life can be very complicated, although Confucius thought it wasn't so. He thought it was simple, but that we humans made it complicated, I guess, with our worry and with our running around and with our planning and everything. And uh, Martha Stewart thinks it's so complicated, though, that we need to have it organized. And that's something I can imagine Martha Stewart saying, can't you? And so uh, uh, maybe you're one of those people that loves the fact that things can be complicated because that means you can arrange it and you can order it and you can organize it. And when we look at life, it really is complicated. And because of that, we try to make it simple, especially as we think about how to live life practically, by coming up with simple phrases, sentences, proverbs that help us to understand the complicated and live out complicated life in a simple way. So I want to share with you some humorous Proverbs I have found, again, from the internet where you find everything. In fact, isn't that where we go when life is too complicated? We go there to find our answers. And isn't it amazing, too, not only Google, but especially YouTube, how you can find how to do anything there on YouTube. Now, I heard this. I don't know that it to be true, but it was reported that a family actually built their own home with no experience, but only watching YouTube videos. I can believe it. It would be hard to do, but I can believe it. In fact, the other day I was trying to change my battery in my truck, and I hadn't changed it in that particular vehicle. And you know, nowadays they try to hide everything under the hood, and they have so many different clamps trying to keep everything in place that I did go to YouTube, watched a video, and I was able to do it without any problem. So isn't that what we do nowadays? We go to Google, we go to YouTube to find the answers to life's problems. But we also have these proverbs that help us understand life. This is from Portugal. A house without a dog is the house of a scoundrel. <laughs> That's probably true. If you're such a bad person that a dog won't even be around you, that says something about you, doesn't it? And if someone has a dog, at least they have to have enough compassion to take care of it. At least feed the dog and walk the dog. And, you know, cats are much more independent. You could just have a cat and it would never know you were there. You would never know it was there. But a dog, you do have to care for. So that's what they say in Portugal. In uh, Germany, they say this, get the cow off the ice. And you say, what does, where does that mean? It's similar to our expression that someone has dodged a bullet. When you're in a dangerous situation and then you escape it, that's what happens when you have gotten the cow off the ice. Because a cow on the ice is a very dangerous situation, at least for the cow, anyway. And if you're able to get the cow off the ice, you are able to get out of a dangerous situation. The camel driver has his plans the camel has his. I guess we could go back to the dog or at least the cat and understand that. But I'll, it reminds us 
not to think that we are always in charge of what we think we're in charge of. Isn't that true? We think we're in charge of our life, in charge of other people, in charge of our plans, and we quickly find out that other people, other animals, certainly God, has other plans that are different than ours. What about this from Japan? Dumplings are better than cherry blossoms. That sounds kind of self-explanatory, I guess, if you're eating the cherry blossoms or you're eating the dumplings if you're hungry. But I think it's a proverb to tell us that often the practical and the common sense should be valued more than the delicate and the pretty and the beautiful. I don't know. Maybe that's true sometimes. It is, I guess, if you're building something, you'd rather have a practical hammer than a very delicate, intricate, nice-looking thing. Yes. So, dumplings are better than cherry blossoms. And this one should be obvious. Don't use a hatchet to remove a fly from your friend's forehead. <laughs> I don't know if that was actually happened one time, and that's why this proverb came up. Oh, but it's a Chinese proverb. And it's to remind us, I guess, that uh, sometimes we should use solutions that are appropriate for the problem that's existing instead of going overboard or overreacting. Just take care of what needs to be taken care of. We have our own Proverbs, and the Bible, of course, has Proverbs. And if someone needs wisdom, I love the fact that God gives it to us. He doesn't hold it from us. James 1.5 says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Life is complicated at times, and it's hard to navigate it, hard to know what to do. We often have decisions where we're seeking wisdom from God, but God doesn't uh, tell us uh, to find it on our own. We don't have to uh, go up to the mountaintop and find the uh, guru to give us the answers. Uh, what I love about God is he says, here's the answers. It may not be all the answers we want, but he gives us all the answers we need. God doesn't hide things from us, make it tricky for us, disguise it in a riddle. We have to figure out a code. God wants us to be successful. He wants us to be godly in the way we live our life. And he says, if you want to know, just ask. I'll tell you. I'll give you the, the answers. So in that sense, God makes it simple for us. He gives us the answers, tells us what we need to know to live a life of godliness and a life that's also successful for us. And that's what the book of Proverbs is. There's 31 chapters. You can read one each and every day. And you can have one for every day, especially the months that have 31 days. If they have 30 or 28, like February, you get a couple extra to read. I would encourage you one month to do that. Read one chapter of Proverbs each day of the month and go through the book. It's written primarily by Solomon, which makes sense because he asked God for wisdom. God gave him the wisdom, and so he shared that wisdom. There's a couple of other men, Agur and Lemuel, and some unnamed wise men who wrote some Proverbs. But these Proverbs are from Solomon and these men. Uh, first, as you read it to teach young people the wisdom of life. Well, then when you think about that, that makes sense. Young people have a lot of idealism. 
they have uh, a lot of energy, they have a lot of strength, they don't always have a lot of smarts or common sense or wisdom because they don't have experience. And so you know, and you've done this, you can learn life's lessons by hard knocks, by making mistakes, by failing, by getting hurt, and you can gain experience and you can gain wisdom, but you don't have to do it that way. You can listen to someone who has had the experience, has lived longer, and they will tell you the wisdom, they'll tell you the truth that experience produces without having to go through the hurt, the pain, and the trial and error. And so we do that with our children, don't we? Uh, we teach them and we hope that they would listen so that they don't have to go through the same mistakes that we've made. But human nature often is stubborn and wants to learn on its own. And you did probably when you were young, and your children probably have, they want to learn it on their own. And I know as parents we get frustrated, as grandparents we get frustrated, we just wish they would just do what we would say, <laughs> do what we know would work, but we just have to let them learn the hard way sometimes. But as I said, we don't have to learn the hard way. God has given us the wisdom here and now so that we can know how to live our lives. Proverbs chapter 1 tells us why Solomon collected these Proverbs, why God has given them to us. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. This is what these are for, these Proverbs. Listen, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. But notice it's not just for young people. Let a wise person listen and increase learning. And let a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. So this book is for the young, inexperienced, the naive, the simple. But it's also for the wise person. It's also for the one who has experience. It's also for the one who's lived life and learned the hard way. Why? Because we always need to be reminded. And we always can learn more and become a wiser person. And especially we all can be better at living out what we already know. And that's what the Proverbs are really about. It's not gaining knowledge so that you can quote a verse, quote a proverb, fill your head with knowledge. Paul says in Corinthians that knowledge puffs up. Just knowing things makes your head big and makes you proud. But living out what you know in a practical godly, righteous way is what true wisdom is. And so all of us have to do a better job at that. For even those of us who are experienced and older and, and would consider ourselves wise often don't even take our own advice, do we? Often don't even live the truth we tell our children and grandchildren. And so therefore we need to learn as it says here, 
Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance. Now let's talk more about Proverbs before we look at some of them in the next couple of weeks. And one of the first things we need to learn about Proverbs is that Proverbs aren't necessarily promises. A proverb, you know what a proverb is. Here's a, a fancy definition, but a succinct statement which stands in place of a long explanation and expresses a truth about reality. We use some uh, examples from around the world earlier, but you know the examples we have here in America. Plenty of proverbs, some of them from Ben Franklin, our wise old founding father that knew all of this wisdom. But if I said a, a penny saved is a penny earned, you know what that means. You know that if you save money, that money then is able to be used for life and living, and it's there for the future, and I could explain it more. Ryan is here. He could really give you a long explanation about planning financially and planning for the future. And how, But we don't do that. Isn't it easier just to hear a penny saved as a penny earned? Now, Ryan, I don't think you could just say that every time someone came in and do very well, but at times that's all that's needed. We don't need a long explanation. A stitch in time saves nine. It's a reminder that to take care of problems quickly before they get out of hand. Again, you can give long explanations and illustrations from life, but sometimes it's just simpler to say. A stitch in time saves nine. Or my favorite way that Barney Fife says it, nip it in the bud. That's the same thing. Nip it in the bud is the same thing, really, as a stitch in time says nine. Now, they're not promises, though, in the Proverbs. Because there's always, almost always, exceptions. A penny saved is a penny earned. Is that always true? Maybe not. If you save your money and you invest it, then it all, the investment blows up. Your money's gone. A stitch in time saves nine. Does that always work? Solving a problem at the beginning before it gets too big? Usually it's true, but maybe sometimes it doesn't. You step in to solve the problem and it still unravels. Uh, if we say the drivers who speed get tickets, even little preschoolers in their little wind-up cars, is that always true? No. Is it true? Yes? So the Proverbs are like that. They're true. They're not lies, half-truths. You read the Proverbs, they are true. But they are observations about life. They are uh, wisdom of how to live life. They're not necessarily promises that God is making to us. Now why does that make a difference? I'm going to give you one, and don't throw anything at me, but this proverb, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I would say to you, it's not a promise from God. It's the truth, but there are exceptions. It is true. If you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. But don't we know of children who were raised in Christian homes and were taught the truth, and maybe even as a child they lived a godly life? But as adults, they can't be any farther from the truth, and some never return. Does that mean God broke his promise? 
No, because God didn't make a promise. Solomon wrote a proverb to tell us what life is like, a principle of life, a truth of life, but not a promise of life. So we do have to be careful as we read the Proverbs, but I would say some of them are really promises. Look at Proverbs 23, 17, and 18. Don't let your heart envy sinners. Instead, always fear the Lord, for then you will have a future and your hope will not be dashed. That's a promise. When the proverb gives us a motivation, most of them do give us a motivation. It tells us a truth, but it also motivates us to do the truth, to live the truth. When the motivation is a a theological reason, it is a promise from God. When we fear the Lord, we will never have to, just like it says, we will have a future. Our hope will not be dashed. That is a promise. Let's talk about where wisdom comes from. This is no surprise to you that wisdom comes from God. God is the one who created this world. God is the one who created us. You think that the one who made it all would know how it all works. Isn't that true? When, uh, now, I know when you buy something and there's a manual, you usually toss the manual. Nowadays, you don't even get a manual. You have to go online to read the manual. But either way, if you're reading online or you have it in the box, usually we just toss it. I'll figure it out on my own. And how does that often work? You often find yourself going back to the manual. But the person who made whatever it is, the TV or the tool, knows how it works. So the person who made it tells us this is how it works. God is the one who made everything, so he knows how it works. So I don't know why, I guess again it's human nature, we humans want to take the manual God gives us and we want to toss it out. We want to take the manual he gives us and we want to learn it the hard way. And then what happens? We mess up, we screw it up, and then we have to go back to the manual, back to the Bible to find out how it's supposed to work. The Proverbs tell us all kinds of practical ways to live life. But if we do not fear God, then we will not have the wisdom that will help us in life. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9.10 says. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 15.33, the fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches. And humility comes before honor. You want a successful life. You want a godly life. You want a simple life in the midst of a complex life. You want the Proverbs not only to be on a page, but you want them in your life. Then you have to fear God or it's not going to happen. Because that's where wisdom begins. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Proverbs tells us. It means humbly submitting to God's authority As I've told you before, I think a simple way to understand fearing God is to take Him seriously. When God says something, we listen and we take it seriously. So many people hear God say something in the Bible, they read it, they scoff at it, they laugh at it. They say, oh, I've got a better plan than that. That doesn't make sense. That's not true. That's not taking God seriously. That's not fearing Him. 
We take Him seriously that He is who He said He is, that He has told us what is true, and we humble ourselves before Him because He has said that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that He is an authority over everything, including us. And to fear the Lord is to acknowledge that, to admit that, and to humble ourselves before Him. Proverbs 3, 7 says that fearing God is turning away from evil and then 14, 2, striving to live an upright life. Is that so hard to understand? Not really. Maybe hard to do. But it's easy to understand that fearing God is to acknowledge Him, humble ourselves before Him, turn from evil, and turn to righteous living. And Proverbs says if you do that, then you will gain wisdom. You will gain knowledge. But it begins there. And so many people want to know want to do life without knowing God or humbly bowing before Him. And that's why it doesn't work. That's why even for Christians it doesn't work. Sometimes we want life to work out and we want to know the principles, but we want to do it without doing it God's way. And we want to do it our way. But it doesn't work that way. We we can't do it our way and expect God to bless. It is fearing Him and then adding to it the knowledge that He gives. I, I love how Proverbs describes two paths that we can take. It, it talks about two women. One lady wisdom. The other lady, folly. And they both build a house. And they both call out from the highest point of the city. They both give an invitation. So if you read Proverbs chapter 9, that's what's described. I love the image. Here are two women crying out. They can be easily heard because they're at the top The highest part of the city. Neither one of them are hiding. Neither one one are whispering. They're both at the same place. Both shouting out. Both calling out to those who are naive. Those who are simple. Those who need experience. Those who need wisdom. They're calling out. And they say, come into my house. I have prepared a dinner. Both of them say the same thing. Come in. Uh, have a seat. Eat from my table. Both lady wisdom and lady foolishness or folly. But what they offer at their table and what happens when you dine with them literally is life and death. If you choose wisdom, we are promised life, safety, Peace, rest with no fear, God's blessing and favor. Isn't that what we want? I don't know anyone in life who would say no to any of those. If you fear the Lord and choose wisdom, this is what you get. Life, safety, peace, rest with no fear, God's blessing and favor. If you choose to ignore God, not to fear Him, 
to follow after the world and to follow after its wisdom, uh, you will die. Look at the many verses in Proverbs that talk about the foolish person and how their way leads to destruction and to death. In fact, in Proverbs 5, 11 through 14, an example of one who chooses foolishness. At the end of your life, you will lament when your physical body has been consumed and you will say, how I hated discipline and how my heart despised correction. I didn't obey my teachers or listen closely to my instructors. I am on the verge of complete ruin before the entire community. Again, isn't that often true? Those who are young and simple and naive do it their own way and then look back later in life and say, what a fool I was. Again, the Proverbs are to help us not to have to do that. Why be foolish and go through the hard knocks of life and become to ruin when you can listen to wisdom and fear the Lord and avoid that and experience instead life, safety, rest, peace. Now, I know no one, when given the choice of life or death, says, yes, I want death. Please give me that. Destruction, I'll take that. Highway to hell, that's what I want to be traveling on. You know, no one says that, do they? No one says they want to choose death, destruction. What most of us choose instead of death and destruction is ourselves and our way and our wisdom. That's what we usually choose, not realizing what we're really choosing is a path away from God, a path toward destruction, a path towards death. And so even Christians can choose to turn from God, follow their own way. And so I want you to listen this morning to the two voices calling out to follow wisdom or to follow foolishness. And I know none of you are sitting here saying, yes, I'll sign up for foolishness. But really, do you truly want to follow God and follow wisdom? Its results are worth it. But in following the Lord and doing what is right, there's often sacrifice. and There's often suffering. But in the end is reward and blessing. In the coming weeks and the rest of the summer, we're going to look at practical aspects of our life. How to live them. It'll be practical preaching, but you can apply it in the afternoon. You can apply it Monday morning. But none of it is going to work. None of it's going to make a difference if it doesn't begin with fearing God and following Him. And that's where I want us to begin, not just a study in Proverbs, but begin this morning and come back to in our lives. If it hasn't, you're not there right now. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to respond as we sing. But let's follow God and fear Him. Heavenly Father, I am thankful that you have not hidden yourself. You have not hidden how to live our lives. You provide it if we ask. And I'm thankful, Lord, you have laid out what is true and have laid out the results of following you and following the truth. I'm thankful you've laid out for us what happens when we 
turn from you, follow our own way. So my prayer this morning, Lord, isn't for us to have to to know these things, but Lord, to fear you and to follow you. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who do need your wisdom. They, They need a decision to make. They need guidance, Lord. I pray that they would call out to you, that you would answer. I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning who would claim you as their own, but they're living their life in their own way. I pray, Lord, that you would show them the foolishness of saying they're following you, but living their own life. And I pray, Lord, that they would come back to you. I pray, Lord, for those this morning who have never tried to follow you. They've always gone their own way, always thought they knew best. I've always done what they thought was wise. Lord, I pray that they this morning would hear how you have called them to fear you in humility, turning from evil and turning to righteousness and following you in wisdom. So, Lord, I pray that we would respond this morning in how you have led us, Holy Spirit. And I pray, Jesus, in your precious name, amen.